then we'll uh, hopefully get updates. Yes. Amen. Let's um, let's study some scripture together. Uh, I'm not going to preach too long. I pr- I preached all week at an RA camp, and uh, and I poured my heart out. You can ask Zach. And uh, I told some people that I was probably a little more animated than I should have been because it was boys. And uh, and so uh, so anyways, um, so I yelled all week. So I'm not going to yell this morning. And uh, so you should be thankful for that. But I do want to uh, I do want to continue on our little series here called Slow. And uh, we're going to talk about the S today, and the S is going to stand for simple. And um, and so uh, so you may have heard this from me before, but this is kind of uh, something that I think is going to be helpful to you. Um, last week we talked about being uh, slowing down, uh, taking a moment where we can slow down and really hear from the Lord, uh, taking a moment where we can slow down and uh, not forget the awe or the fear that we should have of the Lord because of how incredible He is. We talked about it at Ari Camp this past week that only God is awesome, and uh, we try and uh, we try and name a number of things that we think are awesome, but only God is. And when we slow down, um, at some point during that slowing down process is when we begin to uh, become in awe of Jesus. So I referenced um, Acts chapter 2. If you'd like to turn there, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read just uh, one particular or one or two particular verses here and then um, get into some really simple things for you. Uh, and, uh, and maybe you remember this from myself, uh, from me telling you before, but I, I really want to equip you well. Um, I heard a, a testimony just this, this week of a gentleman who uh, struggled uh, through most of his life with a particular ailment, and uh, he felt like a number of times the church failed him. And, uh, and with that, he would even say, the church and God failed me. And so, um, so I, I said, well, maybe it is an indictment on the, on the leaders of the church not equipping the church well to handle this particular situation. So I want to do my best to equip you um, as often as I can. And so don't expect, um, I think Coach Riggins' uh, little message here was a lot more powerful than anything I have to say next. Um, but I'm hoping that I can at least equip you for something greater in your life. So when you slow down and we get to this really simple moment or these simple things in life, distractions begin to kind of fade away. Uh, when we can step back and when we even, uh, I love the reference here that, that Coach Rickens happens, you know, he makes a wrong turn and he hits a dead end and he has to turn around. That's repentance, turning around and then seeing in that slow down, that stopping moment of repentance in a way um, is when we get to see like the, the great vision or the great like what is it that we're supposed to be doing. And so when we slow down in life and we look for these simple things, we're hoping that as we're adjusting our minds and our souls and our hearts to what God desires of us, those, those distractions begin to fade away and we get really, um, you know, vision focused upon what Christ desires of us, especially, especially the gospel. So um, the early church devoted themselves to four simple, really simple things. It says in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, it says this, they devoted themselves, those who had just been saved and those who were already saved, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now you think about just from Coach Riggins' testimony, you heard a number of things that he had devoted himself to um, that not, not necessarily were these simple, simple things. And what did he say? when he slowed down, when he began studying scripture, when he, when he tuned out all the distractions, when he sat in silence and prayed, then he began hearing from God what God desired 
for him to do. So the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. How did they do that? Well, they sat at the apostles' feet. Like last week we talked about Mary and Martha. One of them was sitting at Jesus' feet. The other was not. The other was um, being defined by the many tasks that she thought that she needed to be doing, those tasks that she deemed necessary in her life, while the other sister, both rebellious, but by the other sister, is uh, seated at the, the Savior's feet. And so the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Remember, not, not just yet had these guys began writing these things down, so they actually had to sit and they had to listen. They had to sit down, remove all distractions, and listen to the man, uh, the apostle, teaching them what Christ had taught those apostles. And they, they were passing that information along um, to, to um, those early believers. We need to be a part of the same thing. We have access to God's revealed word. If you listen to the, if you had a chance to listen to those two podcasts, uh, a great educational moment on uh, how we, how, why we study God's word, why we think that this is the revealed word of God, why we think this is holy scripture, why we think it's his Bible. When we sit down, we can read. But I think it's important also that you're listening to good to good preaching, to good teaching. That you look for sound doctrine, somebody who's teaching uh, soundly, uh, theologically accurate um, teaching. That we're seated at somebody's feet and we're listening to them uh, teach God's word, and we're we're devoting ourselves. We're devoting ourselves to that. I challenged them, the RAs, this past week to devote themselves to memorizing Scripture. And I gave them a pretty easy scripture to memorize because many of us think that we can't memorize scripture. So I'm going to help you out this morning. John 11.35. So 11.35, if you look at your clock, it's 11.35 right now. So John 11.35, you can memorize this, John 11.35. It's two words. It's Jesus wept. And then if you can if you can remember those two words, like you I feel like you can, Jesus wept or Jesus cried, John eleven thirty five, then you can begin thinking about why did Jesus cry? Well, he cried over the lost, he cried over the dead, he cried over someone that had died. His friend Lazarus had died and he, he, he saw him dead. And why did Jesus come into the world? To save us from our sins, to conquer death, to bring life back to the world. So that's a foundational verse, really. Even though it's the shortest and you got it memorized already, I believe it. John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept, right? Uh, foundationally, when we start thinking about why did Jesus cry, um, then we can uh, then we can move on from there. In fact, um, if you wanna if you wanna share the gospel with someone, uh, maybe they maybe they as you're sharing the gospel with them. Um, you ask them something like, do you know anything about Jesus? And if they say yes, then say, okay, uh, no more questions about uh, where I was going, but instead let me ask you this question. Did Jesus ever cry? I mean, if, if Jesus is God, if he's fully God and fully man, did God or did Jesus ever cry? Uh, did he ever weep? And then you get to go into uh, John eleven thirty five and talk about why did Jesus cry? Because of death. And what did he want to do with that? He wants to conquer death. He wants to uh, he wants to bring life into the world. And how does he do that? And he, because it is completed. He has done that. So we need to get to a simple place as Christians where we're devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the entire Word of God. We're devoting ourselves to that, memorizing it, learning it. Uh, if you have a smartphone, I've told you this before, but if you have a smartphone, uh, there are apps that, to help you with that. Uh, there's a, a great app called Fighter Verses. Fighter Verses. Uh, these are verses that uh, a group of, of men have, have put together saying these are some foundational verses. If you're parents, there's a, there's a children's part of that. If you're adults, there's an adult part of that. All right. If you have trouble just memorizing things, they put it in a song even. Some of the, some of the uh, verses are in song form. Uh, if, you're, if you don't like song uh, but you like symbols, uh, there's some pictures that can help you remember um, these, these verses. Devoted themselves 
to the apostles' teaching, devoted themselves to the Word of God, knowing the truth. Jesus says he is the truth. We want to know the truth so that we know how to, to live in the, in the world that we are uh, currently living in. Uh, Robert mentioned it already, but I was going to turn to you, uh, have you turn to Romans chapter 5. Because I think that um, that we miss sometimes the simple gospel, um, the simple like foundational part of the gospel. Romans chapter five. Uh, we're going to just uh, look at verses six through eight just for a second. Uh, we get distracted by many things, and if we can just get down to a root or a foundation and think about uh, a simple gospel, so that we can preach it to ourselves daily, preach to ourselves daily that Jesus is in our place. So Robert mentioned Romans five four, but let's move to uh, Romans five six where it says this. Here's the simple gospel. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But, verse 8 says this, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ not being a sinner, uh, he, he, he takes the place of sinners. Jesus in my place, he dies for us so that we might have life. Simply stated, preach that to yourself every day. Memorize those scriptures and preach that to yourself every day that, um, that you're not having to work for your salvation. That it's not about what's in your hands or what you want to grab a hold of and prove how good you are or how godly you are or how righteous you are. But instead, it's not about what's in your hands, but it's more about what's in your heart, about how what, about the change that's happening inside your heart that Christ has already completed on the, the work on the cross and the resurrection from the grave. He's completed the work of salvation, and now he can rule over he can rule over your heart. So when we daily slow down. And we preach the gospel to ourselves when we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And next week we're going to talk about uh, the, uh, devoting ourselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. When we devote ourselves to those things, when we slow down, then we can begin to see what it is that God requires of us. What it is that's absolutely necessary for our life. I would say, you know, as a follow-up to what, what Coach Riggins has said this morning, it's not absolutely necessary that Coach Riggins is a baseball coach, but it is absolutely necessary that he obey the will of the Lord. It's not absolutely necessary that he would have a winning or losing record, but it is absolutely necessary that he would be faithful to his wife and lead well and love his wife like God or Christ has loved the church, giving him his life over to her, basically. like These are the things that are required of us. So uh, with that statement, turn to um, a book from the Old Testament named Micah. The prophet Micah wrote this down in the Old Testament. In my Bible, it's on page 778. Um, I'm not sure about yours. It's right after Jonah, so we're going to follow up. We're going to follow Jonah and uh, go to Micah chapter six. It's right before Nahum. Uh, Micah chapter six, where um, God uh, uses the prophet Micah to uh, to share some words with the Israelites. Micah chapter six. We're going to start in verse one. So remember, if we're going to be like um, the early church. We're going to slow down, and we're going to be in awe of Jesus. We're going to devote ourselves to um, to God's holy scripture. Uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, we're going to devote ourselves also to the apostles' teaching and God's holy scripture. So uh, here's what Micah 6 says, verse 1. Hear what the Lord says. 
Arise and plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice. So uh, it's kind of like a, a courtroom scene. Um, God is kind of putting out on, um, on display here this indictment on the church or on the people belonging to God, the Israelites. And he says, uh, why don't you question the mountains? Why don't you question the hills? They've been around a long time, so ask them. But we may ask them. Hear you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. So if you have any question, ask those that have been around for a long time. Verse 3, the Lord says this. He says, O my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. So he's asking them, hey, you got to complain against me? Uh, you're growing weary because of me? Well, what is it? What have, I, what have I done to you that would cause you to be weary? What have I done to you that would cause you to be uh, a victim? Why are, you, why are you saying these things? Why are you blaming me? Uh, why are you blaming me in, in this moment? Ask the hills. See, see about my character. Look at me from the foundations of the world. See who I am. See if I'm the one that's changing or see if it's you that have changed. Verse 4 says this. Remember, I brought you up from the land of Egypt. And I redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised? And what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered? And what happened from Shittim to Gilgal? That you may know the saving acts of the Lord. See, we often forget something very basic and simple. And I know that you're really smart adults, most of you. Most of you are adults. Most all of us are smart, we'll say, or make you feel good. Uh, <laughs> I know that most of you already know this, but how often daily do we forget the simple yet grandiose saving act of the Lord? He passed it over. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believed in him will have, have life eternal. Shall not be separated from him. We forget it. It's a simple thing, so simple that we forget about it. And the Lord is saying here to these Israelites, remember these things that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. I think if you could daily set your mind to and remind yourself of the saving act of the Lord daily, you could rest in his presence. You could rest in what he's done, the completed work of what he's what he's done, saving you from death, saving you from the slavery of sin, rescuing you from those moments, remembering that, the, uh, remembering the saving acts of the Lord. This is this when we say preach the gospel to yourself every day. This is what we're talking about, reminding yourself of the saving acts of the Lord. Verse 6 says this, With what shall I come before the Lord? See, these are the people. This is how we act. This is how humans act. Well, what shall I come with before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? You may have had this question this morning. What should I wear? How should I act? What, which way should I part my hair? Which way is most pleasing to the Lord? What can I bring before Him so that I can actually bow before Him in worship? With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings? Shall I make some sacrifices of my own and go ahead and put them on the altar and burn them and, and have some great burnt offerings for the Lord? Is this what I need to bring before the Lord? Shall I come with him before him with burnt offerings with a calf a year old? Just a young calf, one that goes with Levitical law, one that might even be without blemish. Is this what I should bring before the Lord? Verse 7 says this. It says this. Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams? 
Should I bring every one of the rams that I have, the, the thousand of the rams? Should I bring a big, huge offering? If I bring a big, huge offering, will he be accepting of me? Will he be pleased with me? With ten thousands of rivers of oil, shall I bring this oil that I can anoint, that I can use as, in this worship service? Shall I bring as much as I can? Should I, should I uh, put on display my own wealth? My own um, power, my own might. Shall I give my firstborn for my own transgression? Should I give up one of my kids? Should I give up my own firstborn so that so that I can be before the Lord, uh, you know, in His presence? What, what's going to be what's going to be worthy? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of of my body for the sin of my soul? Simply stated, how often do you daily rest in what is in your hands? I mean, this act of worship that, that, that the Lord is putting upon the Israelites, I mean, it's based upon, some of it's based upon Levitical law. I mean, isn't, isn't, isn't sacrifice what's desired? I mean, shouldn't we, shouldn't we be a, a people who is willing to sacrifice things? Don't we need to bring these sacrifices to the Lord? The, the issue is that without a proper relationship, sacrifice is worthless. I mean, if you don't have a proper relationship with the Lord, if you don't remember who's saving you, sacrifice is, is worthless. It's just an act. It's a production. And, oh, church, how many times have we as people belonging to God made our worship production, made our worship of the Lord an act? I mean, I, have to, I really have to watch myself even preaching, tone it down a little bit. Don't make it a production. Don't make it about yourself. How often do we really focus in on what's in our own hands? Like, what can we do? What can we bring before the Lord? And we forget about the saving work of our Savior. So without a proper relationship, sacrifice really is, it really is worthless. You can bring the burnt offerings. You can bring the rivers of oil. You can bring the 10,000 rams. But if you don't have a proper relationship with the Lord, it's worthless. So, so really what we're getting down to here is something that we talk about a lot. It really is about the heart. It's a heart issue constantly. Uh, where is your heart? Is your heart treasuring the 10,000 rams? Is your heart treasuring the rivers of oil? Is your heart treasuring the bull that you sacrificed and the burnt aroma or the smell that's coming off the altar? Is that where your heart is really treasuring? Or, like the verse, first verses of, of Micah 6, are you treasuring, is your heart treasuring the Lord? I mean, that's really the simple fact of the matter is, is your heart treasuring, is it treasuring the Lord? And then verse 8 happens. A great moment. A moment where we see that God is concerned. He's not concerned with our sacrifice because he, reading backwards now, has made the ultimate sacrifice. He's more concerned about our heart, about our daily actions, about where our heart is. Are we in tune with what he desires of our life? He says this, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? So if you want to know what's necessary or required of you this week, just start here. Memorize this verse, Micah 6.8. He says this, Do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your, with your God. So God is concerned that man's acts, what he does, be just. That his loves, his desires, his motives be true and be faithful. And that his relationship with or to God be of humility and cautious fellowship. So we're acting out this week. This is what you're going to do. Simply minded. 
Preach the gospel to yourself. Do not forget the saving act of Christ. What he has done. The completed work of that. Don't come before the Lord and say, here's what's in my hands. But instead say, Lord, I'm coming before you because of your son. Because of the completed work of Jesus. That's how I can come. That's how I can approach you. Not because of who I am, but completely because of who, who you are. So we're acting out of, out of redemption, not requirement. Though we, we often act out of requirement. Well, I'm required to do this. And I'm asking, and I'm telling you what is necessary of you. But we want to act not out of requirement, but out of redemption. Of what Christ has completed. Seeing the work that he's completed. That Jesus is in my place. That he has loved me so much that he gave up, willingly gave up himself for me. Simply stated that he is in my place. And with that, I act out of that. Out of redemption, not requirement. When you act out of requirement, I think it leads to production. I think it leads to acting. I think it leads to exhaustion. I think it leads to not being fulfilled in this life, like not finding fulfillment in this life because we're acting out of requirement. Well, I have to do this. Well, I have to be this way. Well, I have to do this. Well, I have to love my wife because that's who I'm married to. I mean, those are the types of things, that, the conversations that we often have. But when we're acting out of redemption, when we know what Christ has done for us, and we preach that to ourselves daily, then our act is no longer act, but it is a life being radically changed by the Savior. So it says this, Micah 6.8, He has told you, O man, what is good and what, and what is necessary and what is required of you. To do justice. That we would be people that live out and seek out to live and act out truth. Remember John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says that he is the truth. I got to watch on display this week your uh, um, youth minister or associate pastor of students in education. Uh, he's literally on a platform, like on a stage. Uh, at, at camp this week, Zach went with me to hold me accountable, and uh, he did a great job, by, by the way. I never did anything dumb. So if, if you want the Holy Spirit and Zach helped me do, from doing anything dumb. Zach is on this uh, platform about, what do you think, what, 20 feet in the air maybe? He's on this platform. Everyone's watching him. I don't know if you have you ever looked at him like intently, but um, how do I say it like nicely? Okay, he's bigger uh, than some people, okay? And, uh, and there's this thing at this lake, and it's called a blob. It's this big, huge pillow, all right? And there's this 18-year-old kid at the end of the blob, and when you jump off onto the blob, you slingshot them or, or bounce them into the air, and they land in the lake, okay? So there's this 18-year-old kid on the blob, and the lifeguard yells because they have this rule that uh, the weight difference has to be pretty close or somebody could get hurt. So she yells at the 18-year-old kid on the end of the blob, hey, how much do you weigh? And the kid gives his answer, like 150 pounds, I think is what he said. And then she turns to Zach, and Zach is put on display. He's on the platform, the diving platform, the jumping platform. Uh, there's probably 25 or 30 boys and, and men that are standing here, like looking at Zach, and the lifeguard says, hey, Zach, how much do you weigh? Well, you know what everybody wants him to say. Like, just tell her a lie. Just tell her that you weigh 200 pounds. Tell her that you weigh 170. Make it close so that you can jump off so we can watch this guy fly. Like, don't, don't answer correctly. Don't be about truth. Don't be about, uh, the, the moment here is much greater than you, than you telling the truth, Zach, right? It's, it's much greater than that. And your youth minister chose to act out of truth. 
He chose to be reliable. He chose to be honest. He chose to represent blamelessness because of who his Savior is. And when he said, this is how much I weigh, and he gave the truth, and you can ask him that, what that number is, she said, okay, well, you can't do that. And you just heard like this, oh, man, come on, Zach. You know, like, why? Why would you tell? Why would you tell the truth? And later in the day, a young man approached Zach and said, why didn't you just lie? And Zach answers, because I represent Jesus. Jesus has forgiven me of my sins, right? He doesn't say all this, but he's forgiven me of my sins. He's my saving Savior. He's the one that's rescued me. He's the one that's in my place. And I live above reproach. I act out of truth because that's what he desires of me. And this is a Christian camp. And this was a Christian young leader who's leading. And his mouth drops like, that. really? That's your reason? Because you represent Jesus? And that's what we're dealing with in the world, that people aren't living simply that people are focused on uh, the next great thing instead of just saying every moment, every moment I can use this worship of Jesus because I can act simply. I can act out of truth. I can, I can seek to do justice. I can be a just person who is acting out of truth and honesty and reliability and blamelessness. So this week, put that into practice. Be a person who, representing Christ, is acting to do justice. To be a just person, a reliable person, a person who is about the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Be a person who's doing that. Second simple thing that I want you to be a part of is this, that you would love kindness. That you would be a person who's putting on display kindness. Let me give you some synonyms for kindness. These are hard. You ready? Charitable. How about this one? A benevolent person. Like How often... We got a great debate this morning. Oh yeah, but they're not deserving of it. I mean, how often does someone say, hey, I need a buck, or two bucks, or three dollars, or four hundred dollars, or I need a refrigerator, or I need something painted, or I need a ride? I mean, go on the Navajo reservation and a ride means like an all-day thing, right, Sally? I mean, you, you, somebody asks you for a ride, and in that, like, the next thing you know, it's like three days later. You're like, what just happened here? Have I risen from the dead? I don't even know. So we, we seek to act out of truth and to love kindness. Can you imagine if the people belonging to God, the people representing Jesus, were known as a group of people who love kindness, who love to be generous, who love to be benevolent, who love to be helpful, who love to be affectionate, who love to be charitable, who love to demonstrate compassion, who love to be considerate, who love to be gentle, who love to be gracious, who love to be thoughtful. I mean, Coach Riggins mentioned it. The nice self. When we constantly, as believers of Jesus, constantly think about ourselves, we are not following his commandment to deny self. But when we begin thinking of others and being thoughtful and love kindness, then we begin acting as Christ desires for us to act. So we're going to act out of truth. We're going to look, uh, seek to show, uh, to, to, do, to do justice or act justly. Uh, we're going to love kindness. We're going to simply act out this week kind ways representing Jesus. And when someone says, why would you do that? You say, because let me tell you about the saving work of my Savior. And the last thing is this, that you would walk humbly with your God. Coach Riggins had to actually slow down. He was running. And he was running the race. But he had to go to the end of the street, slow down, and turn around and stop to see, hey, Lord, I'm at this moment. 
You have humbled me and humbled me and humbled me. And I want to walk in your ways and no longer my own ways. A humble follower. This is what basically Micah 6.8 says. A humble follower who loves to serve God and practice justice towards his neighbor. And that's what he requires of us. That we would be people who are humble followers of Jesus, who love to serve God and practice justice towards towards our neighbor. So we must walk humbly, we must love kindness, we must act out of truth, we act out of justice in order to represent the God that we serve, the only true God that the world may see, the world may know who Christ is. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I feel like if you're devoting yourself to the apostles' teaching, I had a great conversation with a, with a man there at RA camp who, who was evident he, he reads scripture and says, then if this is what the Lord requires of me, then this is what I'll do. And I think, man, if we're being changed by Jesus, if Christ really has a hold of our heart, if he is really in our place, then this week we will seek to be just people. We will act out of truth. If Jesus is really changing our heart, then we will seek to love kindness that we will go out of our way to be kind to people. And that seems like some modern-day psychology or something, but it is from God's revealed word to us. It's what God said through the, the prophet Micah to the Israelites, to the people belonging to God, to love kindness. We'll go out of our way to, to be compassionate people, and that we will walk humbly with our God knowing that it is not about us, but it is all about Him. So my challenge to you this morning is to respond to that. Deny self, take up cross, follow Jesus, walk humbly, act out of kindness, act to do just things, because Christ is worthy of your entire life. Let's pray together. Lord, as we...